Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a bubble, episode 7.5. I am Montana Samuels. He is Mike Bonner. Mike, tell the people what we're talking about this week. I just realized that I was supposed to be driving today because remember last time you jumped in the water oh, too quickly, so right. it was supposed to be me. But I can, I you can tell. Us. Just do, go, go ahead. Well, all right. I think that's what, this is the same exact format we did last week. So and it worked well. I thought we had a really good pod last week. So today we're jumping off uh, last week's pod six point five of social media. Right. We're going to kind of sh- give an update as to how the movement. Now we're two weeks plus after uh, the Parkland shooting, and it's still in the media it still uh has traction and really that's impressive in itself in the new cycle we live in now where it seems days become weeks and weeks become months in terms of news uh lingering around and then we'll dive into the opposite side that we talked about last week in terms of false information being spread through social media right sort of the underbelly of yeah uh, social media influence so as as the crowd of the quick update we've had a few you know gun legislation passed really because of the social media activism well i guess it starts there but it's it's more than just social media you know they're marching we had a couple of the school walkouts, right? The walkouts uh, across the country. And then I don't remember what they were called, where I think people went to Washington and laid in front of the White oh, House to yeah, yeah. Um, simulate deaths. But I don't, I, don't, was it a, I don't know what it was called. I don't know. I do know what you're talking about. It was an organized effort to uh, share sort of camaraderie among, and amongst this stance in terms of gun control. Yeah, and it, it just shows what we kind of talked about last week in terms of what social media can do now, the power of right. it just gives you the freedom of speech and basically a megaphone. And uh, we've seen, I think, Oregon passed a, a law that uh, banned uh, guns for domestic violence convictions. Okay. Uh, Florida passed a, a bill that prevented anyone younger than the age of 21 to purchase a gun. And we also saw President Donald Trump talk about bump stocks and trying to uh, outlaw them. And I believe a few times, more than once, he has called out Republicans for being afraid of the NRA, which is uh, something that Republicans usually don't do. So I actually just saw an article, however, though, um, in Georgia. um, His last name is Deal. I'm blanking on the rest of his information, but he is... Uh, apparently there was legislation. Not to be confused with Jeff Deal, the Massachusetts no, state no, no. rep who I, I don't recently so. spoke with. <laughs> so um, they had a uh, piece of legislation that would give breaks to Delta Airlines. However, since uh, Delta's uh, seized doing business with the NRA, they are killing that bill. So, Oh, the, the lieutenant governor you're talking about of Georgia. Right. Yeah, I think his name was Cagle. 
I just saw something. This is pure. This is an Atlanta Journal Constitution article I had not read yet, but the conversation <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> the conversation on Facebook was saying deal, so it very well could be. Either way, George is backing down from the NRA, which uh, I think emphasizes maybe. Uh, the president's point that but I, yeah I, and I, I do think it kind of goes back into what we were talking about in terms that two weeks after there's there's legislation or you know because act- the reason why delta yeah. is getting quote unquote i mean yes that yelled at i guess it doesn't you could say, really matter um Delta's by by the legislators in georgia is because delta cut ties with the nra right. that wasn't that, that i guess that's the other aspect there a whole a whole host of companies, but I was really oh, surprised. Yeah, most I was really surprised at all the the rental car agencies Hertz. that had ties. Hertz, Hertz, I think all of them. Hertz, Alamo, um, Enterprises on there. Enterpri- yeah, there were like it was a lot of transportation actually. Delta was on there. Uh, so, oh, and then we saw Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, Dick's Sporting Goods, Walmart as well. Yeah, and for Dick's Sporting Goods uh, refusing to sell. Uh, automatic weapons they really had done they stopped doing that after newtown well, yeah and uh, the, but it, there were like I think the 46 stores that were still so there there has been some movement yeah. which is really not much movement but well, when you in look terms at of the dick sporting goods not to cut you off but in terms of the dick sporting goods thing here comes the pessimistic side but like that's not gonna affect their end of the day pay like they're no it's probably not their bottom line will be barely affected by that i presume it's more of like a status thing but i think it is it it's something that is extremely small on all accounts, but it is something which, in previous shootings, there was nothing. Right. Do you so so? Let before we jump into the the mm-hmm. underbelly of social media, do you think that these changes in gun control from let's say Dick's Sporting Goods, Walmart, these different places, do you think that's because it's the issue of the hour, or do you think they're doing it because they actually believe in it? I think you know where I probably stand on this. But. I think little column A, little column B. Okay. I, I think a lot of this is um, image protection or image boosting. I think, yeah, to me, I thought, I mean, it all comes down to how they're going to make more money. Right. And I think doing something like this will allow them to get more money because more people want to shop there yeah it gets in the in the, in the immediacy right especially when you look at dick's sporting goods really really wasn't much they weren't really yeah. weren't doing anything what did you say it was like 45 46 i think like 46 like stores uh because they really had stopped it after newtown okay and now walmart i i'm not sure that walmart what their assault rifle sales look like but walmart truly is like a pretty substantial they make a substantial part of their um, money based off of gun sales. If I'm not mistaken, aren't they like the number one provider of guns in America know. or something like that? I'll need to fact check that. But they they do sell a lot of guns, so that one's actually sort of surprising. Um, As Montana just throws out, uh, not reading Atlanta Journal Constitution articles and throwing out Walmart's uh, lofty gun <laughs> <A> journalist. sales <laughs> without knowing, it kind of easily transitions into our our topic for today in terms of this. I don't know even how to necessarily describe it, but the the desire to spread false information through social media and the consequences that kind of leads to where days after the Parkland shooting, there was, you had these students being asked on CNN whether or not they were crisis actors. Right. And the Washington Post did this really interesting article 
Uh, it was called, We Studied Thousands of Anonymous Posts About the Parkland Attack and Found a Conspiracy in the Making. And it really goes through, uh, at they, they report, 47 minutes after the news broke of the shooting, uh, posters on the anon- anonymous chat board 8chan, which I had never heard of. I uh, hadn't either. Started really kind of developing this uh, conspiracy theory as they quote the board saying, start looking for Jewish numerology and crisis actors. Right. End quote. And so what it seems like 8chan is for those of us like Mike and myself who were unfamiliar, they, I actually think I quoted this, uh, maybe not. They essentially, 8chan seemingly is a place that's sort of like a hub of um, white supremacist jargon, um, sort of like that very alt-right, extreme alt-right side of things. Um, And yeah, like Mike said, they were spreading some, they were essentially trying to cultivate a, uh, they were trying to spread the message of this being fake. Now, when I saw this story pop up is when people were looking through the Twitter likes of Donald Trump Jr. And he like he started liking some tweets that sure. were um, spreading this message. So it sort of also goes to show that people are active enough on Twitter to call you on some of these things that uh, if you choose to do so, even in a position of power. One of the, uh, uh, and I, actually 8chan was founded in 2013. 4chan was founded in 2003 uh, okay. by... Uh, 4chan was founded in 2003 by a Japanese businessman. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it says in here where 8chan uh, developed from, but apparently 8chan developed because 4chan became too "quote unquote" politically correct. Okay. Um, or not extreme enough, I guess I should kind of say, because well, the board was the the message board they were all talking on was quote politically incorrect end quote. Yeah, and, and so it says right here what I was trying to quote earlier. I just found it. What the Washington Post describes these anonymous forums as a cauldron of far right extremist politics. So, and, I, and so, but I think you know it, it. It comes in the fact where most people are on Facebook or. Twitter, if not both, and you mm-hmm. see these things pop up, and I, you know, I think only recently has this phenomenon of incorrect facts being. It, usually, if you saw something, whether it was an advertisement on you know, TV or something, you kind of right. took it as its value. So you see these things, sure. and people, okay, sure, it, it must, you know, be true. Or I think it's also our society's, you know love and passion for conspiracy theories and trying to explain the unexplainable. I, I think I always go, the, there was an episode on scrubs and <laughs> yeah, you got to break it down. And uh, JD was trying to find out, you know, what this disease was. Uh-huh. And Dr. Cox goes, if you hear hoof, like click, 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 like hoofs or whatever. I think, yeah, whatever you want to call it. Think horse, not zebra. But our mind always think like, oh man, it could be a unicorn or right, something, something. Crazy. and it's probably just what it looks like. It, it, but for some whatever reason, our minds like to wander to the furthest depths of possibility. What could possibly like, you know? Well, and so I think this brings up an interesting point because, sort of providing a bit of background onto this, the uh, the Parkland shooting. This is the latest instance of something like this. However, there have been throughout the last. This all kind of points back to bubbling over 
last election. And I think people have talked through this enough that this last election cycle sort of brought to the surface a lot of underlying things that had been going on in American culture. But if you remember correctly, I mean, you had the Seth Rich conspiracy. Seth Rich was a DNC staffer who, um, from what I read via LA Times reporting, um, he was hired by the Clinton campaign. The Clinton campaign offered him a job rather two days prior to his death. Um, he was what the police, what the DC police are saying was a murder, uh, stemming from a robbery gone wrong. The LA times reports that, um, that area of the city in which he was killed, there was, um, a rise in crime and like robberies during that time. And Seth Rich is also one of 65 unsolved murders from that summer. However, people on, we'll say the anti-Hillary Clinton side, we'll say like alt-right people, um, took that and ran with it and were claiming that the Clintons had something to do with it despite the family of Seth Rich um, denying fervently that they believed there was any conspiracy. And that was actually spearheaded by Julian Assange of WikiLeaks who claimed that um, on a Dutch... Well, let, let me see here. It was a Dutch television program, Julian Assange in reference to Seth Rich, said, our sources take risks. This was following the uh, Podesta emails. So, And then there was also Pizzagate. If you're familiar with Pizzagate... Uh, I am. We're not going to spend too much time detailing what Pizzagate is if you want to delve into that black hole of <laughs> darkness. Well, just Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, you can go back to you know people saying that Newtown... Uh, right. was was fake uh it, it just it goes back and it's to me it, it kind of it stunts the growth of civilization really when you yeah i i think there's a limit to being overtly distrusting i think it's important to take everything with a grain of salt especially when it's coming from like a big corporation or politics at large because often you get surface level stuff but if you dig a little deeper you find more information however i don't think you need to go accusing the dnc of running whatever they accuse them of in pizzagate you know like there's a limit in which it becomes healthy dialogue and it just transforms into conspiracy yeah i think you know it part of the scientific method is question everything right uh and but it's also to gather the evidence and do what the evidence you know right. points to and to say that parkland or newtown was fake yeah that just doesn't that that goes against the scientific method part of it is going in without any biases yeah and i think that's where the issue of um it's it's one thing to question everything it's another thing to purposely push out false right. facts which it looks like that's what these people on 4chan and 8chan uh were doing which is yeah. really it's a different uh it's just yeah to me to me i don't i don't completely understand it trying to think of why and when you look at, so if you read the washington post and we'll link that story that mm-hmm. that uh we're discussing it really just looks like they're pushing their agenda uh, it doesn't really matter how they get to their agenda. Right. It's just trying to get what they want to happen. And I tried to think to myself, why? What's why? What's the point of of that? And really, it you know, as little that I know about four chan or eight chan or the dark web or whatever sure. you know what we want to talk about, it actually isn't all that different from 
what mainstream public or mainstream people do in terms of uh, we often and not everybody, but as I just mean society. Sure. Uh, sexual harassment you know victims come forward and oftentimes they're doubted yeah you know they're well or victim blaming so to speak which is a problem or you look at uh and that kind of well or rolls over into the courtroom which we're talking about before uh this pod where um how do you win a court case well you make the witnesses look bad in terms of it's a yeah so i think that's you know where it, it looked crazy. Well, how could you, you necessarily, how could they do this to this parkland? Well, in society, we often do it too. Well, and you even, so you brought up a good point where there's sort of the victim blaming aspect. And that immediately brought me to, um, the Mike Brown case simply based off the fact that people in Ferguson were saying, these things have been established. This has been happening to us for years. And the dialogue we saw develop over time was, simply centered on Mike Brown and his interaction with a police officer in which like he charged him that whole deal. But then you look at the department of justice report that comes out the, the Ferguson police department was sicking police dogs on people. They're clearly targeting. So there, like we've been talking about, there's a level of understanding that yes, you do have to question stuff, but there also has to be an understanding that there's this weird dichotomy that happens where there's a sect of, social media the social media world that will turn everything into a conspiracy or a lot of things into a conspiracy as long as it fits their agenda but there's another opposite sect of the social media media world that just blindly consumes all of it without a filter and i think that's where we reach our problem because there's a smaller middle ground than the two extreme grounds you know what i mean yeah i think and i i that's and that's kind of what we looked at this pod was thinking why does this happen? How does it happen? Right. And uh, the effects of it, too. So uh, Joan Donovan uh, was quoted in the Washington Post story. She's a researcher mm-hmm. at Data and Society who studies mani- media manipulation. She said, quote, the parents and families of these murdered children are still being harassed by people online. Yeah. Uh, that is that is the legacy of this kind of harassment. For years to come, these students in Parkland are going to have to suffer this same fate, end quote. So it, as we talked about a little bit last week, with, with great power comes great you know, responsibility in terms of right. everyone has a megaphone now on social media and they can shout as loud as anyone. And as you saw, it doesn't take long because this... <laughs> Before, when was the story po- published? Um, the post story was published February twenty seventh. So until February twenty seventh, I had no idea what four chan or eight chan was. Oh, you had never heard of four chan before. I had never okay. heard of either of them, and it took what a couple days after the uh, the shooting for their their voice to be heard on CNN. Now, I didn't know it was coming from them, but the Washington Post reports that, you know, this is where this conspiracy theory started um, or this conspiracy falsehood. Well, and so the interesting thing about that part too is we've seen this before where these internet um, conspiracies begin in obscure parts of the internet on sort of like these like 4chan or... So 4chan, I was familiar with 4chan as like a more extreme version of Reddit. 
Um, that was a bit less like that's what it was kind of described as too. Right. And eight chans of more for more extreme fortune, which is like crazy. But so even with the Seth Rich thing, so Julian Assange goes on to that uh, Dutch television program and talks about that, and then Sean Hannity goes on and um, is spearheading this movement. It's so it's a you, I think that's an, another point of where we see these really gaining steam are these people who put themselves in positions of trust to at least some Americans, even if that's Alex Jones, right? Some people get their news exclusively from right. Alex Jones, Alex Jones, Infowars, for those who don't know. Um, and it's it really is sort of like this agenda pushing type news cycle well and it doesn't even have to be that we're talking about you know super heavy things right. but look These at deep look at uh i mean geno smith the new york uh oh, the quarterback for new york giants who tweets <laughs> out that hey guys what do you what do you think of this this flat earth thing i've been looking into it i tweeted i i quote Did tweet, you? Yeah, oh. so i quote i quote tweeted that and said so this pretty much ends the debate right well, I, the best one I saw was the Giants bench a two-time Super Bowl champion for this for guy. For flat earther. And well, Kyrie Irving, yeah. He, Kyrie Irving. He referenced that he'd been studying up on Kyrie Irving, notable scientist. And <laughs> the, the the issue at hand is, is people, again, question everything. Go ahead. You know, It's I, important to question it's important, everything. We're so, not arguing that. And then people would show him the pictures of the circle earth. Right. And he would then say, "Well, Photoshop guys. <laughs> well, then what? Then what is it going to take? Because probably the science and the algorithms and the physics that I wouldn't be able to understand. I mean, maybe Geno Smith would. I, I don't know. But if yeah, I mean, what, he went to West Virginia. He's probably pretty smart. What is what is it going to take then? You know, what at what point are you going to say, okay, yeah, you know, if if you want to question something, fine. But if you're actually questioning it, like right. if I'm if I ask you, hey, how old are you? I'm I'm letting I'm giving you the opportunity to tell me right. rather than say, "Hey, do you think the world is flat?" and you say, "No." Well, yes, you're not questioning. So it didn't just say, "Hey, I believe the earth is you know what right, I mean? there's right. this there's two steps to questioning things. Right. Questioning and then listening and finding out what is true and then making right. that establishment, not just questioning to make a statement. Well, and so that's another thing we sort of talked about pre-pod was not only is there this culture of distrust in the form of conspiracy rather than in the form of information seeking, but there's also a culture of um, where it's purely, I keep using the term agenda pushing. It doesn't always have to be that deep. It could just be. Um, yeah. Cause I don't think Gino Smith pushed like, I, I don't, don't think Gino's <laughs> pushing an agenda. I think he's just a person who did a little bit of Wikipedia research and said, okay, I, I could see this being, being true but it seems like we've developed a culture where it's argue argument rather than discussion and why that's important is we never seem we seemingly never make any progress because of that which is a good yeah i mean it's a good point to kind of get back to the the geno smith conspiracy is <laughs> no people like so he we should just let's make just, the whole pot about we, why not? Smith. You know, he, <laughs> let's just take him at his word and say he genuinely was asking. And uh, actually, to the I, I actually went through the comments, and of course, some of them were funny. Right, there weren't a whole lot of people, you know, yelling at him, calling him stupid. Uh, if he he was he, truly asking, it seemed. And there were a lot of people saying, just you know, here it is. And then that's what I mean, like he, 
Well, what about Photoshop? Well, then what, what exactly do you, do you want? Yeah, exactly. Like if you're asking questions, you can't. Yeah, exactly. Like if it's a dialogue, that's the other thing. A part of, a part of listening is crafting a response that's more thoughtful than just a blatant, like, I don't believe you. Well, and it kind of gets, yeah, it gets into our, our, because if you don't know, then how can you craft an argument that is against that? I was watching uh, a friend of the pod, Neil uh, DeCross Tyson, and they were asking him about, uh, they were asking him about, well, we we mentioned him so many times. Yeah, friend of the pod, Neil, if you're out there, go ahead, email Uh, us, come on the pod. (laughs) Uh, They were asking him about UFOs, these Right. unidentified flying objects and they were saying you know do you think that it's alien life do you think it's this and he said it is a ufo which means unidentified flying object so how can you say i don't know what it is but it certainly is this if you don't know what it is <laughs> then you can't say what it is because you don't know what it is therefore it makes it a ufo so saying this is what it is therefore makes it not a ufo because then you would know what it is right that's an interesting point. This is like totally off subject, but it's interesting to see how people um, have taken our language to pin certain things and certain words to different movements or topics without any measure of care for what these words actually mean. Like that's an interesting. I never thought about that with UFO, but like by definition, everything that flies through the sky that you don't know what it is is a UFO. Right. It could be a bird for God's sake. Right. If you see something fly by you and you didn't actually, you saw it peripherally, it's a UFO. I'm getting lost on the flat org, uh, the flat, the flat earth society.org. <laughs> this is. You're on flat earth society.org. Yeah. The flat earth society, kind of like Ohio State, the flat earthsociety.org they have a lot of pamphlets some <laughs> it's like scientology it's featured articles maps myth mythology and religion forums if you guys want to get the link for this website uh you can DM, get it yourself DM mike <laughs> <laughs> my dms are still closed and so as was we're nearing a half hour something popped into my head in terms of uh so the internet in itself is relatively new, especially in terms of how mainstream of things, it yeah. is now yeah. and gathering our information. Even when I was in college, you still had to use leather-bound books to, to, <laughs> as citing sources and, and things like that. Uh, so now Wikipedia is kind of like – in high school, oh, my God, Wikipedia was – you didn't – go there because anything on there was false you didn't know anything now it's i feel like it's a fairly standard you know you don't live by it but if you're googling something really quick yeah yeah, okay that's a good that's a really good place to start so the the internet provides something that just think of washington you know george washington you know aristotle all of these people these great you know minds so to speak that formed governments and things they didn't have – you had to go through literal libraries and go through books. And now sure. I wanted to find the Flat Earth Society and – One quick Google. Boom. So there's so much information on there, both accurate and inaccurate. Right. What What is the future? You know, what, what do we see in terms okay. of how do you design things? And actually, you don't have to look much further than New Bedford <coughs> where uh, Impact Labs – uh, the Internet of Things, Chris Vendes, he actually, uh, they just merged with Context Labs. 
And I spoke with the creators of Context Labs and Chris Resendez as well. And they had this huge, gigantic jargon. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know mm-hmm. what this means. Basically, they're creating uh, a, what is the term? <laughs> Blockchain, I believe they call it. Okay. I feel like I insulted them when I interviewed them. But I, I said, <laughs> so basically, it's like a Twitter check mark for everything. And they were like, yeah, that's kind of the concept, but it's so they verify <laughs> everything. So from okay. computer chips, where the chip started, it's verified all the way to the fishing sensor out in the oh, ocean. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you get this chip and you also get this piece of paper that verifies when it was made, who made it, what time it was, where it went to the next step. So it verifies everything. So you know what this chip is. You know what and it doesn't necessarily have to mean a computer chip. They do it for food. Where was this food grown? How was it grown? Right. So I think it was a really a genius idea for them in terms of verifying everything in society, which is where we kind of are, which is what we're kind of discussing is if everyone has this megaphone of right. speech, how do you know what's true? And this in Context Labs, which is actually based out of Cambridge and I think has a uh, office or some space in the Netherlands as well. So it's okay. an international business, but they are in the the business of ver- veracity in the real world. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting, it's an interesting concept to think about the future of um, where we go here because internet companies are always seeking um, ways to improve, whether it be like a simple algorithm or like boundary pushing and it seems like to me the next logical step is to be able to find a way that doesn't impede on your right to exist online but somehow filters out the jargon and bot technology or just simply like crazy people from well, the important It's voices. weird because Facebook I feel like is very behind in that aspect. Right. Where Twitter I feel like is for all of Twitter's, you know, bots and absurdities, sure. the blue check mark I think does a real like I there's there's an issue yeah. because crazy people are probably going to believe crazy people anyways. If you sure. want to believe a conspiracy theory, does you Alex can. Jones have a blue check mark? I think he probably does. He's got to, right? Twitter. Yeah. Real Alex Jones. Check mark. So even crazy people get Twitter. That, but that's sorry, my yeah. point I is guess, terms of I know who he is. I know what he's saying. At some point in time, you have to have... Uh, so there's context even to... Th- that's what I'm saying. Sure. I, I know what he is saying because that's who he is. It, sure. It could go simply as someone creating a, a, a rumor about Kim Kardashian or something. I know that she has the blue check mark, so whatever she says... It's coming from her coming or from her, her. Team, at least. Now, do I have to care about that? No. But at least I know <laughs> that, that, that... I think that is where it where something can help because you know at least that's coming from the source itself right and you can all, again you can question that yeah you can always study of that as well but i think it's easier to question when it comes from the source right like it it seems if if some like out of left field person who gets 45,000 retweets makes a claim you would immediately have to go, okay, who is this person? Why is this important? Right. How do he get this information? The whole process. But if it's a person who you know it's coming from that source, your only means of questioning is, okay, are they saving face? Right? 
Like, are they? Is this something that would damage their reputation as a celebrity or as a news person or something like that? You know what I mean? So it it does simplify the process in which you have to go through these steps to believe even a portion of what they're saying. I'm yeah. I'm just thinking, like in the sports realm, it it's. There are some people who are, you know, working, who have friends that are in, you know, the front offices of places and then they, the person has, you know, no check mark, five right. followers and he tweets this out and it happens to be true. It, it, there is, yeah, I, there is some difficulty, you know. Well, I, so I, I think even, so uh, for those who aren't familiar, the FBI is doing a massive probe on um, the NCAA, specifically the college basketball teams, right? Mm-hmm. So ESPN published a story that said that linked Sean Miller and to, and I am forgetting the name of the agent. Forgive me, my I didn't. Sure, an agent, yeah. <laughs> um, who they essentially were crafting a way to pay DeAndre Ayton a hundred thousand dollars to come to Arizona. So these, so, there were no quotes in this story that was published. So. ESPN came out, I think, three separate times and made corrections, eventually just airing back to the original posting Mm -hmm. of the article. So I think even places like that where journalistic integrity is important, we're getting to a place where things are moving so quickly that in order to be first, which means to be relevant, you have to rely on even people you have to almost rely on the blue check mark right so it's like you get this from a source within this organization okay they're within the organization we have to be first we'll publish and correct later which is kind of scary for a major media company i don't think that's anyone's um i think for espn that's their model i don't know about that i mean there were no quotes in that story the they had to come out they essentially got like as soon as they published something they got checked they were like this this timeline is off Mm -hmm. three separate occasions i think we're getting to so let me rephrase i think we're getting to a point where trusting your gut by means of trusting your gut in order to be the first is of utmost importance for a lot of media companies. I'm not, I'm definitely not arguing whether that's a good thing or not. I, I think I would actually argue the, the opposite. I'd much rather get my facts right before I publish the story, but I think we're seeing a trend in which being first is more important than I think technically it is, but I also, now we're getting into a journalism argument where or discussion, and I don't want to necessarily dive into that, but I think it has to do with just lack of resources because you don't have enough people in the chain of command, and which is a which is a whole story of you know accuracy. You know, yeah. Usually, uh, media is the that that that's why it's so important, right? To be correct, because at some point you, there has to be a baseline. Yeah. At some point, whether it's you know two plus two equals four. You know, a number is a number. We can't question that the number two equals two, like right, two plus one two individual and another individual sure. equals two. At some point, you have to have some baseline. And I feel like a lot of, especially local newspapers, uh, they do a really good job. Uh, and there has to be some some faith. You know, why is our, our dollar worth a do- I mean, it's a piece of paper. Right. But there's some faith that it exists. There has to be some basis of faith in some 
some truth, whether it's coming wherever it's coming from. Well, and I think that's that's sort of what I was. Um, that's sort of the point I was hoping to make was that it, it seems that in the the world where we're talking about social media conspiracy, a lot of and like you said, let's not turn this into a whole journalistic thing, but I think it's really affecting um, how at least players in the industry react. I mean, you see um, like Adrian Wojnarowski or whatever. That's how you say his name, mm-hmm. right? Okay, Wojnarowski. Wojnarowski, yeah. I think um, it's Wojnarowski. I mean, he. It, it's a tweet before the article, right? So I think, right. I think we're seeing now it's really important for people to get ideas out. And I think that's being driven, as we've talked about the last two weeks, social media driving trends in multiple different facets. I think that's a, another example of social media driving a trend of being first is of utmost importance. That, But that's always been it. You know, scoops and whether sure. you went back to the, when they were when there was no internet, having being the first person to report something was always it, it always it important, just, but not at the sacrifice of quotes or source proper sourcing. Are you sure about like that? that? Well, uh, yeah, I, would, <laughs> I suppose it, no. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a great thing to you know say. Well, back in the good old days, sure. They, which I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying to. I'm not I, old enough to say good old let's days. Let's say yeah. uh, you know yellow journalism, and you know, sure. I, I think there's always. I think you know when you look at the Washington Post, the New York Times. I think for the most part, I don't think newspapers have changed all, all that, that much, much in terms of what they want to do, what they want to uh, promote. Re, you used to wait to get it on the paper, you know, the next right. morning. Now you just tweet it and get it out. It's just, you're, you're a constant, you're constantly publishing on Twitter. Whereas yeah. on your paper, you're, you would publish once in the a morning. Day, yeah. Once a week. And that obviously leads for when you have, you know, a scoop and you know that no one else has it and you're printing a paper you and your deadlines it. at 11 say you can, you know, you have that time to double, triple read over and check. Right. The Twitter doesn't always necessarily. Uh, Twitter uh, doesn't wait. Twitter does not wait. It is, yeah. It's and again, great power comes great responsibility. That's true. All we're saying is Instagram fix your algorithm for God's sakes. That's all we're trying to say with this. Instagram podcast. fix the algorithm. What's the algorithm? You're not up on this. No. Oh God. So Instagram. Um, it used to be a chronological order posting. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Yeah, I like the chronological much better. Yeah, thanks. Now the the joke is, we're gonna cut that part. <laughs> we're not gonna cut. I'm just too old now. I know it's okay. Um, one one last point I wanted to make. Go just, for it. Just because in the Washington Post article I saw this, and I think they did this on. Per- so I have this idea in my head that like all people who are really, really into hip hop, whenever they see a chance to make a hip hop reference, they do it. And I have to give a shout out to Craig Timberg and Drew Harwell of the Washington Post who wrote the article that we were citing. Um, they had a great quote break. This better be good because... Oh, it's good. Because it's, this is what it's good. We're, we're ending the pod on this. So. I know. So they had a great quote break and it was like the... F- Fifth graph, perhaps? Sixth graph. Um, it doesn't matter. Essentially, a, a quote from 8chan started with, there's a war going on outside no man is safe from, which is famously a lyric from Prodigy of Mob Deep on the 
uh, song Survival of the Fittest off the infamous. And I just thought that was ironic because this is like an alt-right white supremacist group and they're quoting Prodigy of Mob Deep, quite possibly like the most like Prodigy. I don't know. I just found it funny. That, that was on recording. Reddit too. Really? Yeah. Yes. It says it said a frequent conspiracy theory poster on the website on Reddit. Reddit. Whatever, man. They <laughs> they got a they got a mob deep lyric in their story, and I thought that was cool. So shout out to them. You're so right. we staggered across the finish line of this one. <laughs> it kind of all went wrong oh, with boy. I don't know. It, we 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 went out from a weird tangent, not even a tangent, but. It wasn't our most focused pod, but we were, we're speaking ideologically. However, I, I do have actually something to add f- for next week. Um, we, we cited the Washington Post a lot. Next week, we're going to be speaking with Jessica Contrera of the Washington Post on the pod. So look forward to that if you'll be tuning in. 8.5 will be better than 7.5. 8.5. They're all better than the first. You the know? goal is to get better than the last one. We're always improving here at the bubble. It's of utmost importance. The bubble's our, always growing. It's always growing. You had that. You got your bubble pun in this week. You hadn't got one in yet this week. Nice, very good. You can always trust Mike <laughs> for a bubble pun. All right, for Mike Bonner, I'm Montana Samuels. This was episode seven point five. Join us next week for eight point five with Jessica Contrera, and uh, we hope you'll have us back. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.